0: Welcome to Smart Cherry's Thoughts, this is Sai from India. Firstly, thank you very much uh, Sarah for uh, accepting my invitation and accepting to be on my show that's okay so I've gone through a profile I can see you're working in microsoft uh, uh, you worked in australia you're working in United States so I thought to tell about your work to my audience
1: yeah um well currently in my job um i've worked i'm pretty lucky i've um i've Worked in a couple of different countries. Um, so I've been working for Microsoft for the past four and a half years. Uh, I am currently a senior cloud security advocate. So advocacy is, well. Some of a lot of people people know it as DevRel, but I don't really well I do talk to devs, but I talk to lots of other people as well, which is why we call it advocacy. Um and then I yeah, um and then before that, um I did I lived in the US for a little bit. Um I worked for the Microsoft Sentinel product group, so I used to help deploy very, very uh they um, complicated customers. And I also gave feedback to the rest of the product team about what was working and what wasn't. And then my first job at Microsoft, we're going back in time. Uh, my first job at Microsoft was as Azure Security Architect. And I was the first one in this part of the world because I was back in Australia then. So. So, yeah, um I've been in security for about. Nine, ten years now. Uh, before it was cool. Uh, and then before that, I was an infrastructure engineer. So yeah, um, I've moved around a little bit. I've lived in the UK, New Zealand, Australia, the US. Uh, but now I'm back in Australia and I'm going to try and not move again because too much moving.
0: So, working in security for a long time, how is it? How is this experience?
1: yeah it's good. I mean security is very busy. It changes all the time. There's always like new things going on, so you know you never have two days that are the same. You know now we're all talking well, everybody's talking about a i and data security are big kind of hot topics at the moment. No one was talking about those things six months ago, so you know things things change very quickly, so it's always new um uh, but it also means you have to keep learning as well so so it's kind of. If, if you like to do the same thing again and again and again, security is probably not the right place to be. But if if you like stuff changing, um, it's a good place to be. And of course, there is a global shortage. Generally, no matter where you are in the world, there's a global shortage of security professionals. So we're always going to have jobs uh, if, if we do uh, if we do do security because we don't have enough people.
0: So in this evolution of technology, what? what you understood about security
1: um well security well it's it's a big word right people and i should probably i mean there's so many things security encompasses so many different things i mean Uh, And and it's a huge industry. Like lots of the time people will say to me, oh, Sarah, I I really want to work in security. Uh, And I'm like, well, which bit? There's loads of it. I mean, you have like application security, you have infrastructure security, you have GRC or governance, risk and compliance, which is less technical, but still really important. You have penetration testers, the people who try and hack systems, which is what a lot of people think of when we speak about security, but that's only like a tiny proportion of all the people out there who do security, really, and it's very cool, and that's what you see on the TV, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't go and do that if you're interested in it, but there are a lot of other jobs out there as well, and so, I mean, so security is a just a really big thing, and, and there's so many bits to it. Um, I mean, I at the moment, more recently, I've been looking at data security. Uh, I think that's really interesting and also how we actually talk about security to anybody who doesn't work in security, because people who work in security are really good at talking to other people in security about it. But actually, security is a strange bit of it where it actually affects everybody. So people in other parts of IT, but also the bigger, wider world, you know, need to care about IT security as well. Now, to a greater or lesser extent, of course, and different people need to do different things, but we're really bad at talking about it.
0: So, there must be a strong reason and uh, driving force for you to wake up in the morning every day and work in security. What is that?
1: Um, I guess, well, we, we, the work is never done. I mean, it's, it it doesn't matter. You can you can never, ever secure something 100 percent. Right. It's not possible. There is always a tiny little risk, no matter how good your security is, how good your people are, how good your technology is. There is always uh, there's always a risk um, and, and we can never, ever 100 percent guarantee something will not get breached or hacked. It's not possible. And because of that, we just have to keep going and going and going. It's iterative. What people I think people are getting generally better at this, but they used to think that security was a one time thing. You go in. I'll secure all my systems. We're done. That, that's not how it works. Right. Because all the time. We find new ways to defend against things and then attackers find new ways to get around them. And then we have to find new ways to defend against the new things. And it's a cat and mouse game. And it will be forever i think so so yeah the job is never done um it, it it's just an ongoing thing um which which i think is it's it's also interesting as well but <laughs> um yeah i wish we could just beat all the hackers and be done but we can't unfortunately
0: uh, you worked in different parts of the world uh, uh, in security so have you uh, have you found or uh Uh, Is there any difference in working in security in different places? Uh,
1: Yes and no. I think generally, um, because I have worked, security and technology generally doesn't change. Um, The the actual technology doesn't change between different country to different country. Still trying to do the same things. What does change is sometimes people's culture towards security and people's attitudes. So I'll give you an interesting example. When I lived in New Zealand, uh, in New Zealand, it's a very small country. There's only five million people there. People are very trusting. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lovely place. Um, but when you do fishing exercises, so when companies Send around a fake email pretending to be a phishing email and then they they and, and then they measure how many employees click on the link because they're trying to raise security awareness. Um they say that the average click-through rate for a fake phishing email in a company generally sits, they say around 10-11%, but in New Zealand, because New Zealanders are trusting. It's often more like 20, 25 percent. Um, and again, that's a cultural thing because because New Zealanders are quite trusting people and they live in a very trusting society uh where you know, people don't think that they're being scammed. And so if you get something that says, hey, your parcel hasn't been delivered. Click here. They're like, OK, cool. And uh, so, yeah, that, I think it's things like that that you that are probably what changes like the culture around security and how you make people think about it. But generally, technology stays the same. And, and that's why I have been able to move from country to country, because the technology I'm using is always the same. So it means the skills are very transferable.
0: Uh, the number of users for microsoft uh, products and services around the world have increased in last 10 years so how security played a major role in this
1: oh wow security i mean obviously microsoft employs thousands and thousands of people to do security it's a big bit of the business and we have multiple different platforms that need securing we have azure we have Office 365, we have Xbox, we have Bing and everything. All of those things need to be secured. So there are a lot of security teams in Microsoft. We also have research teams on top of that, uh, whose job it is just to do research about security threats and the different threat actor groups out there. So um, it's a really big thing um, in what Microsoft does. Um, I think in the last sort of five, six years, People have realized that Microsoft kind of has gone all in on security and is like really, really, you know, investing in it and trying to build out the products, um, because prior to that, um, you know, there was less of a focus. Though, in fairness, um I, I, I do sometimes talk to people who say, oh, Microsoft, you don't do security. Do you remember word 1997? And that wasn't very secure. And you're like, mm, you know, that was like, over 20 years ago, um, whereas in early in the early 2000s. I mean, this was when Bill Gates was still in Microsoft. They started a whole initiative um, and I forget its name now. I think it's called like Trusting Computed Trusting Compute Initiative. It was called something like that. And that was Microsoft's big push to start doing secure development. And that has evolved into you know what we what we see now. Uh, my, some Microsoft people were. Some of the, uh, at least some of them were contributors to the first ever, um, SDLC, the secure, uh, development lifecycle. Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, who's been in Microsoft for like 30 years, he's very cool. He is one of the first contributors to that. So we definitely do, um, yeah, it's definitely been a journey from probably not very much 20 plus years ago to where we are now, but certainly, Security is at the forefront of people's minds as it should be because, of course, if you know, people won't want to use your things and your products if they don't think it's secure. So you know, it's it, it's the right thing to do, but also commercially, it is the right thing to do as well because if you have a reputation for not building secure things, it it doesn't look very good, right?
0: Uh, so what kind of mindset that you have that is uh, making you to adopt to the change the constant change that is happening a
1: um, couple of things number one i mean always be curious always keep learning keep up to date with what's going on in the world because you know take last december um, no last december The one before December 2021, that was when we saw log4j and that just exploded out of nowhere in a couple of days. And, you know, log4j was a big problem for pretty much anybody who was running Java. Um, And, you know, that was a massive headache for a lot of people. But that came out of nowhere. Like two days before there was no no one had ever heard of Log4J. And then suddenly it was this massive thing that was a very severe vulnerability and actually very easy to exploit. And everyone was running around like crazy trying to find what machines they had that were running this vulnerable piece of software. And, you know, so I think there's always kind of it's the learning thing, the keeping on top of things, but also on, 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 the other side of that, it's also accepting. And I would say this is good for anybody in any IT field nowadays to accept that you don't know everything and you can't know everything. Because I often talk to people who will say, Hey, Sarah, like I just don't know this and I don't know this. And when I started in IT, like 15 years ago, you could, we didn't have the, the, the change of we didn't things didn't change as quickly. Like every two or three years, you would get your on prem software, whatever it was, and you would update it every two or three years, you know, from like version nine to version 10. And then there would be changes and you might have to learn everything you might have to learn the new changes. Whereas now with cloud and the, the rate of change of services, it's actually impossible to know everything like it used to be back in the day. And I still think many people haven't accepted that you can't learn everything. So what I would say is you need to be comfortable with the fact you don't know everything, because in today's IT environment and like I said, it goes wider than just security. This is an IT thing as well. You're never going to know everything because stuff changes so quickly. I work for Microsoft, even when I worked for a specific product in Microsoft, which I spent every day with. I mean, I knew a lot more than your average person would. Of course, that was my job. But even sometimes I was like, oh, that feature, have we released that yet? Oh, yeah, we have. Because like, because just stuff goes so, so, so quickly. And so I think you need to definitely you know, push yourself to learn as much as you can within reason, but also be comfortable with the fact you'll never know everything because nobody does.
0: So you have seen the change that is happening in uh, security from long time. So Uh, What is happening in the technology uh, world?
1: Well, I guess we'll we'll address the elephant in the room. I mean, AI right Um, now. I, I, I think from a security person's perspective, there is a lot of potential in AI. There's a lot of opportunities. But also being a security person, we also have to balance that with we need to understand how these things work and what they do with the information they're handling. So um, I think um, in a positive light, uh, AI has a great potential to plug some of the skills gaps we have in security because we don't have enough people. And most companies around the world are struggling to get enough skilled people. um, AI can definitely help with plugging some of those gaps and getting rid of some of those Time consuming repetitive jobs that people don't like doing anyway, uh, which frees them up to do the stuff that needs real people. There is no way that AI is replacing people in security that I can see anytime soon, because I know that can sometimes be a, a concern of people. But, um, but then on, on the negative side or the kind of thing we need to be cautious about is that AI models, um, you know, we don't know with a lot of them we don't know what they're doing with data you put into them we don't know where they store it we don't know if everybody who queries the same model is it sharing information you put in uh, if one customer puts in some information and asks it a question and then another customer asks it something will it also use that data that the other person put in and we start getting like really messy data also you know people could potentially um we know that sometimes like say ChatGPT it makes really, really nice lies. It sounds good, but it's completely lying on its answer. You know, what if people start feeding the models And people start feeding the models purposely the wrong information so it gives the wrong information out to people. That's a potential attack vector as well. So, you know, and and there are probably a lot of attack vectors on AI that I haven't even thought of yet (laughs) that I don't that we don't even know about yet. So, you know, I think. That's probably the thing that everybody, well, everybody generally in tech and in the wider world is talking about AI. And so, from a security perspective, I think there's a lot of potential, but we just need to be careful about what, what we uh, what we do with them until we understand them a little bit better. Um, and I'm sure, sadly, like I said, we will see some interesting abuses and attacks against AI models uh, in due course,
0: for sure. So my understanding the real world. Uh, problems like human created technology and virtual world where they are human can able to solve problems. It can be cloud or it can be anything in, uh, inside the device. So when uh, what do you uh, understood comparing the real world security and the virtual world security? Um, I mean,
1: nowadays, we really talk about, you know, we spend a lot of time just talking about sort of modern security, um, but I'll, I'll take it back. Sometimes we get we get caught up in talking about we talk a lot about good, shiny products. So we talk a lot about oh my new firewall, oh my new endpoint protection, blah, 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 blah. But what we still forget to do time and time and time again is what I what we call sort of basic security hygiene. So security hygiene is not exciting, but it's common sense things like. Patching things in a timely manner, having MFA, multi-factor authentication turned on, Um, like don't have, you know, any kind of storage account open to the Internet. Things like that that have kind of been the same forever. I mean, there's a few additional ones because of cloud now, but these are good security practices we've had for a long time. You know, like don't give someone admin privileges if they don't need them. Like people should only have admin privileges if they need them, because, of course, the more accounts that have admin privileges, the bigger the potential attack surface. And we still don't do that stuff properly. Um, You know, um, there is research that shows Microsoft does it and so do other companies. There's something like 90 percent of breaches. The initial breach would have been prevented by good security hygiene practices. Which is just incredible. That like, blows my mind. Um, you know, it's because people so often think, and I think this is a, a big misconception is that uh, a computer hacker, some really evil hacker will be sat there doing some really, really complicated hacking. And that's how they break into systems. And sometimes they do. But if you're a hacker and it's going to take you three days to hack somebody making a brand new exploit or. It's going to take you half an hour because the same company hasn't put in some patches that fix something that's exploitable. They're going to go for the easy route. There's no reason for them to use the really difficult one. And people forget this. Um, and, and it's it's incredible. Like I can't stress enough that we talk about all these really, really cool tools and, and they're great and you probably should have them. But. All the tools in the world can't save you if you use your same username and password in loads of places or if you haven't patched a critical vulnerability in your OS. Like we do forget these security basics and you it is shocking how often these basic good practices that have not changed for at least at a high level. Perhaps the, the principles at a high level have not changed for years. How we implement them, of course, depending on if it's cloud or on premise that changed a little bit, Um, obviously, because as the technology has evolved, but the principles are the same and we still don't do it well. And that is what the majority of attackers will exploit, not something really complicated. So it's that's probably it's just interesting because security, although maybe the exploits change and the tactics change a bit, the mistakes people make are actually similar, time and time and time again. And um, so, yeah, uh, we have a ways to go. I think uh,
0: you are the person who experienced uh, the diversity in human uh, in humanity, uh, mm-hmm. being in different places and uh, talking with different uh, country people. So, uh, how uh, uh, security in different places? You already answered uh, how uh, security in different places. I mean. Uh, uh, the businesses in different countries what are their requirements business owners what they are asking about uh, 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 security when it comes to the, for their business yeah it's um i
1: wouldn't say it changes that much uh, from from country to country to be honest with you i mean there are individual differences depending on your your business owners but I would say most business owners would like to not worry about security um, <laughs> um, and we're getting better. I'd say generally we're getting better at this, um, uh, you know, at the end of the day. And this is something that security people are bad at, too. Um, security is a function of an organization. Um, it, it It is a function. It is not the be all and end all. Um, an organization, you know, if it's commercial, it's there to make money. If it's not for profit, you know, it will have some other. Uh, Some other thing it's trying to do. And security is just a function of that organization. And so if security doesn't help the organization ultimately get to its end goal. Then security is failing. And so what we've been bad at previously is just going, no, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. It's not secure, but not presenting any other way to do it or not helping. And so then people go around you um, and. Uh, you know, I think business owners, they know, you know, sometimes business owners have had a bad experience with security and they're like, oh, they're just the ones that say no. Oh, they're useless. Like, they're not any use to me because all they do is say no to everything I'm trying to do. Now, I think we're getting better at that, but I think, you know, there is still a ways to go. And, um, but ultimately, no matter where you are in the world, you know, security is only ever a function of an organization. And sometimes, and this is what business owners do. And sometimes they need to make a decision that might not be the best for security. Um, if, um, as in, say you, you are launching a website and you find a really critical vulnerability in that website just before it goes live. And then the choice is you either don't go live and delay it by a week to fix the vulnerability, say that's going to cost you $10 million. But fixing the vulnerability will, um, Oh, but it'll cost you $10 million if you don't go live. And fixing it's going to cost about a million, but you will have to delay. And, And anyway, basically, sometimes they will say, hey, do you know what? I get that we have this vulnerability, but we're going to have to go live anyway. And, and then we look at um, like the risk and the likelihood. So we'll say, hey, this is a high risk, but it's not actually that likely. And security generally shouldn't make the decision on behalf of the business. That's a business owner's call to say, I would rather go live with this vulnerability and fix it later on rather than lose the business. Ten million dollars or whatever it is. Um, and so. Security is always a balancing act. And I think security people forget that as well, Um, because they'll just be like, no, no, you must fix it. You must fix it, because that's what we're like. Uh, and so I think something that security people are getting better at slowly. uh, We've got a ways to go is actually explain. All we have to do with security is explain to the business owner. This is what the problem is. This is potentially what could happen. This is how likely it is to actually happen. You make the decision what you want to do. We don't have to make the call for the business. That's someone much higher up the food chain who probably gets paid more money to to take responsibility for those things. But sometimes we try and take the world on our shoulder and try and fix everything. Um, But yeah, I wouldn't say it changes that much throughout the world. Um, Not um, everyone's just wanting to get to whatever it is they want to do. Of course, there are individuals who are a bit different, but I wouldn't say there's. Massive differences from uh, um, country to country that I've seen on that front.
0: So, this 15 years of observation, uh, how things work in technology, have you uh, found a unique way or uh, have you got any thoughts that uh, uh, definitely uh, will change uh, or will affect or will impact or will uh, uh, create uh, this positive environment where uh, you as a security. Uh, advocates don't need any work, and people uh, have uh, their self uh, understanding about not to do anything negative.
1: Um, good question. Um, it's a difficult one. Um, I think well, security advocacy is a pretty new thing to to be honest with you, but I think the idea, the principle of having people who Um, you know, whose job it is to communicate security things, more technical security things, I think is a really good idea, which is why I joined the team I'm in now, because it's great to go and talk to people. And actually, I like to talk to people not in security. So I go and talk to developers we go talk to other parts of it because they are the people that actually we need to go and talk to more than actual security professionals who kind of already know what we're going to tell them. Um, I think security through its own fault largely has some making up to do because security have been known in the past, of course, as the no people you know you can't do this, you can't do this, and they haven't been helpful, so a lot of parts of i t don't want to talk to security because they're like, nah you you're not helpful, you just say no, you don't help me um, and I think there is an acceptance in security that we shouldn't be like that, but because so many people have historically been burnt by that attitude. that people still see security as very unapproachable, um, and they don't want to come and talk to us, um, and so it hasn't been super collaborative. I think we're getting there, but slowly, so we still got a ways to go.
0: Uh, what is working for Microsoft to grow uh, their services and their products very fast? Because uh, Azure is growing very fast and last, few years what you people are doing what magic is happening
1: oh I don't know um, I don't think there's any magic I mean um, I mean there's so many bits I mean Microsoft employees is a very big tech vendor, as you know there's a lot of people working really hard on all the products uh, they do um, I think For me, the biggest change. Now, I haven't been with Microsoft long enough to see the whole life cycle of this, but I have many colleagues who have. You know, you may remember that historically, Microsoft used to not play nice with any other vendors. You know, we wouldn't have things wouldn't our things wouldn't talk to other vendors, we didn't use open standards, we used to use everything proprietary. So it was very hard to get Microsoft to work with other things. So you basically had to be all Microsoft or nothing. Uh, whereas nowadays, I think uh Microsoft has very much changed its attitude in the last sort of five, six well, probably even longer, sort of seven, eight years. And now Microsoft's like, hey, actually, we don't think you're going to be all Microsoft realistically. Let's use these open standards that the rest of the industry uses. Let's do this. And, and I think, you know, Microsoft put, um, you know, put the effort in to, um, you know, research and development in the areas of tech that have been relevant as well. Like security, like AI, et cetera. So, you know, I think they, they've always kept, um, they really had their eye on the ball with, with what's, what's coming and what will be, um, you know, the next big things. So yeah, I think just, we're just, yeah. And then people, there's a lot of really smart people working really hard as well. Um, and that's on the products in the background on, you know, keeping everything running. And then all the people who go out and, Spread the good Microsoft word um so yeah there's there's loads of things I think I don't think I could pin it down to to any one thing our c e o is very cool, sachin Adella um and when he joined Microsoft um i can't remember what year it was it was a little while ago now uh two thousand and fourteen maybe I think uh I mean he has a very different he encouraged people to have a growth mindset and and to kind of think outside the box, and I think sort of that trickle down to the whole organization you can see in you know what microsoft does now
0: and what is working for you in order to be great with uh, great in communicating with computer and communicating with human beings
1: That's a good question so i think i think naturally some of us are better at it than others but i think one of the most important things is when you talk to different people is to make it understandable to whoever you're talking to so if i start throwing in lots of lots of acronyms like i start saying cspm blah 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 and talk to my mom she has no idea what i'm talking about but if i say to her oh there's a tool and what it does is it looks at all your computers and I know it's more than computers, but my mom doesn't understand that. Um, So, you know, it looks at all the computers and it tells you if they're secure, if you need to fix things. And if you need to fix things, it tells you what you need to fix that my mom can understand. And one of the things one of my major bugbears about security, although we do do it in other parts of tech. But as I said, security is my bit of tech. So is that we have been very gatekeepy. And what I mean by that is we we tell people. Security. I've always enjoyed telling people this is very complicated. You wouldn't understand because it's security, blah, 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 blah. Um, And we've been doing that for years. And I think, you know, it's partly a job preservation thing, which is silly because we have a security shortage. Like it's not we don't need to preserve our jobs. Like if that's what you think you need to do to preserve your job, you probably aren't very good at your job. Um, But there's probably other reasons. But. You know, we've been very gatekeepy. You know, we don't want to talk about security because oh, it's too complicated and we're very special and blah, 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 blah. But in fact, all that's done is hinder us because the more, although we there will always be a space, you know, and there will always be a space for dedicated security professionals always. Um, there's no doubt. But by making other parts of tech and the wider world more security aware and security minded, it actually helps uplift the whole thing because security people can't just do it by themselves. Um, But we have been really, really bad at explaining things. But what I find is, you know, if if things are explained at the right level, um, you know, to whoever the audience is, people can understand it. It's, it's security is common sense. Really it is that that is all it is is common sense. I mean, of course there are some very niche bits of security where you need particular type of training, but those high level principles of how we do security are very, very accessible to everybody. And I detest the gatekeepingness that we sometimes put around helping people understand security principles. So yeah um i think that's why there's a space for advocates and and good communicators and and i would always say um there's a there's a um a well-known problem um it's got a couple of names it it's not again a security specific or even a tech specific problem it's called the expert problem and the expert problem it sort of describes that the more you know about a topic whatever that topic is the worse you are at explaining it to other people, because you start to assume that people know what you do. So you don't explain things in simple terms, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And like I said, it's not a security or tech specific problem. It's just human psychology. So always remembering, am I explaining this in like a simple way that someone's going to understand rather than just assuming knowledge is really, really important.
0: So working in security, uh, knowing do's and don't do's for a long time and, uh, uh, being logical with the machine, uh, all the time, uh, uh, how this, uh, work experience, uh, impacted or affected you personally and you as a person? am uh,
1: probably, well, given a lot of time to my work, but haven't we all? <laughs> I mean, I find security really interesting generally, um, like not just in my work, um, in my paid work, but in my day to day life. I went to the hairdressers two weeks ago. I ended up talking to my hairdresser about password managers, um, you know, random things like that, because I think what's fascinating about security to me is that everybody everybody, if you use the internet, which everybody does, and even if you're one of those people who tries to be a digit, you know, tries to keep everything off digital. It's not really possible. Right. And so all of the security stuff does affect everybody in some way, shape or form. And that's what I find fascinating. Also, whenever my family get weird emails and they get worried or they clicked on a link, they always call me now and they're like, do I need to worry about this thing? (laughs) You're like, no, you're fine. Uh, I get a lot of that as well. But I'm going to say that's the tech person's uh, curse of, of being a tech person with family. So um, yeah, I mean, I just think it's really fascinating how, how relevant security is to, to everybody, because if you have a digital footprint, which everybody does, you are potentially exposed to you know, some of these things that, that happen out there.
0: And the difference between on premises uh, uh, data security and uh, the cloud data security.
1: Not as much as you'd think. So again, high level principles, pretty much the same. How you implement them sort of further down changes a bit because cloud and on-prem are not the same. The main thing that changes or the the main thing that is easier in cloud is how you architect your um, your security. So what I mean by that is, um, you know, what what we used to do on-prem was we would make. It's, it's an analogy that's been used many times before, but we would take we would make like a castle and a moat. So you'd have a big castle wall and then you'd have a moat around it and your perimeter would be like really, really enforced. So in a data center on prem, we would have like loads of firewalls and everything would go through the firewall. And we'd have this really, really, really strong perimeter. Um, but then as soon as you were in, it was kind of open and you could do whatever. Um, and the same thing with a castle on a moat. You know, if your attackers get through your moat and get through your castle walls, they can just go in and kill everybody. Um that architecture uh, is, is not the best way to do things in cloud. And unfortunately, the way uh, and the good thing is about cloud is that it's much easier to have. I mean, I'm throwing out the buzzwords here, but zero trust architecture. And basically what it means is, I mean in simple terms zero trust basically means everything is verified like and everything must be explicitly given access to something that it needs access to so you don't put like loads of things in a subnet that don't need to talk to each other everything should be segmented and and the, the idea this is very very sim- simplified version but essentially the idea is is that if you are breached um the idea is it's hard for your your attacker to move laterally throughout your environment so um, if they breach one machine they can't just then move around because there are more security controls in place be it firewalls be it uh, network security groups etc etc um so i think that's that's and, and doing that in cloud you can theoretically do that on premise but it is much, much harder to implement, like very difficult, whereas in the cloud, because of the way cloud is, it's actually it's much, much, much easier and definitely recommended. The other main difference is that instead of having that big perimeter uh, that you would have generally defined at the network level in on premise in cloud, we, we can't have that because most cloud environments are spread out. So you would have you'll have your Cloud, you might have more than one cloud, commercial cloud that you use. You might have a bit of on-prem as well. Let's face it, most organizations still do have on-prem. You can't just get rid of it. And you might have some SaaS providers as well, right? There could be, you know, things everywhere. And so you can't contain everything within a firewall, within the network like you used to. So how you do it um, in, in, in a modern uh, perimeter is use identity. Identity is your perimeter nowadays. So you have one centralised identity identity that like that um, that everything comes back into your identity and that is your perimeter. That is a big change that still quite a few organisations are struggling to get their head around, that they just want the network perimeter. But you can't do that when you're not when you're using more than just a data and on premise data center, it doesn't work anymore. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have some network security controls. Don't take that away from from what I'm saying, but it can't be the primary way of securing your perimeter anymore. So so that they're they're kind of the main differences. Um, It's. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, um, but on prem isn't going away. So we always have to not forget about it as well, because what we do see is, as I was saying, attackers always look for the easiest way in. So if you basically put all your resources into building a nice new shiny cloud that's really secure, but it's linked to your on premise, which you're not looking at anymore, they will go in through your on premise or other way around, they might go in through your cloud if you're not paying attention to that and go into your on-premise. You know, they always look for the easiest path in. So what's really important is that we don't forget about either of them and try and keep them both as secure as we possibly can.
0: So what, how you personally uh, understood how to protect anything as a security provider and uh, oh. uh, the problems that you have faced uh, those are uh, finding solutions for those problems made you to uh, 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 be a good problem solver and be a good protector.
1: Yeah. Um, as I was saying before, the, the main thing in security is the, the thing to always remember is it's never 100 percent. Like we can't guarantee you something won't be breached. It's not possible. So and we need to be pragmatic as well, because, you know, Or in real life, organizations are limited by the number of people they have, the amount of money they have and and things like that. And so you you can't just go in and be like, I think you need to do all of this right now, because that's that's not really how how real life works. As, As much as we would love it to be, you know, go and turn on all the things and also we also have to remember we have technical controls and then we have people controls as well and people and processes. Those things can also, they also feed into security. So I guess I think that the most important thing, um, we're always problem, problem solving in security. Um, we, I wouldn't say we solve the problem. What we do is we look to reduce risk and we, we look to reduce risk. We look to reduce the likelihood of something happening. And if something does happen, we want to reduce You know, make the impact as low as possible. They're they're the two things we always strive for in security. Um, And nowadays in security, we didn't used to say this. We always say assume breach. Assume you are going to be breached, even if you haven't. And assume you probably have been breached, even if you don't realize it. Even if you didn't realize it and nothing bad happened. Someone has probably broken into your system at some point and assume someone will do it again. But how do we make it harder and how do we protect the most crit- and how do we make it very hard for a potential attacker to get to like the most critical business things? They're the decisions we have to make, um, which I think is why we need some quite business savvy security people, because I always say this, the technology is quite straightforward. It's relatively straightforward. Like we have technology, we can implement it. As long as it's implemented in a good way, it does, you know, what it's supposed to do. What's difficult is you can have all the technology in the world and then someone writes their password on a post-it note and puts it under their keyboard or clicks on a dodgy link and it's game over. So there's always this, I think the most important thing for a security person is to understand the businesses, the organization's priorities, and then, ha- and then work out which you can only do with a dialogue because we don't know as external people, you know, what's your priority? What do we need to protect? Because as I was saying earlier, security is a function of an organisation. It's not just this thing that needs to be done by itself. So we have to the balance it all, and and it's. And I don't have an answer because different businesses will tell you different things. Um, You know, some businesses might say, oh yeah, I don't care about that. Um, Whatever. If it gets hacked, we don't care. Um, I mean, they probably won't say we don't care, but they're like, oh, that's not so important. We'd rather fix this system. Things like that. Um, uh, You know, it's, you don't always get the same answers. Security is always shades of grey. So it's really interesting and, and sometimes it's, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say we problem solve because ultimately, as a, an external security person, I don't take any responsibility for that organization. What I can do is I can present options and explain the consequences of the options and that let someone who knows the business better than me make the call on what works right for the organization. So it's it's very collaborative. Um But we're often not very good at doing that. So that's when it breaks down and, and there can be mismatches in what people are expecting and what they get. So, you know, we, it's definitely an area that we, we can always improve on.
0: So uh, in past few years, uh, uh, the virtual, virtual world is playing a major role, especially in pandemic. A Lot of uh, uh, internet users or software users, the number has increased. Is this because of the trust that they have on experts like you who are protecting them, uh, who are protecting their data or uh, who who believes that uh, you are going to take care of everything that their things?
1: I'd love to think that was the case and I'm sure it is for at least some of the people, but I would say as well, there is um, at at an enterprise level, so a, a big organization, I absolutely think, you know, they, they take on tools and new things because and they will assess they have the maturity to be like, OK, do we trust this company? Are they going to handle our data, blah, blah. But I think your everyday person on the street, they just want to use the thing. They don't really care. Um, and that's why, you know, that's why we have uh, debates about, you know, there are certain companies um, in certain parts of the world um, who collect a lot of user data and, and people aren't sure what being done with it. But people still want to use that product because everybody else is using it. So I think at an enterprise level, definitely people think about, you know, is this safe? Uh, I think as an individual level, as an individual and day to day user, I don't think people think about it very much at all. Um, I think they just see a well-known brand uh, that all their friends are using or something like that, and they will just use it. With not too much thought to the consequences, so I think there's two like two very very big uh, big extremes there. To be honest with you,
0: um, Azure came after uh, uh, AWS cloud, mm-hmm. but uh, the number is growing very fast. The users of uh, Azure uh, uh, are like increasing very fast, and also I'm I'm a cloud DevOps engineer. Uh, I I do. Uh, Work with uh, AWS uh, cloud also Azure cloud, but I don't see any difference Uh, Azure has the same functionalities of same features or the same services that uh, uh, Amazon web services has but uh, What what Microsoft is uh, doing in order to uh, grow rapidly fast because of the experience that they have in technology from long time
1: yeah, well, actually, so it's funny you should say that. So before I worked for Microsoft, I used to work for an AWS partner. So I have also worked on AWS. Um, and you're right that, you know, the base features, I would say, are largely the same. Um, you know, there's the there's, there's AWS version of something and there's a Microsoft version of something and there's, there's nuances. But, you know, cloud is cloud to a certain extent. However, um, the main difference I've seen uh, between AWS and Microsoft is that, AWS is more partner dependent, as in they will sort of say, Oh, we don't make that tool. You need to go, you know, procure one of our third party partners tools. And AWS is great if you know cloud really well already. Um, and it doesn't provide as much learning and guidance. I would say it's not as user friendly to someone who's not experienced. Whereas I think Azure just the way the GUI is built and obviously Microsoft has got heaps and heaps of documentation and learning, et cetera. I think that if you're coming from scratch and you've never touched cloud before, I think Azure is easier to learn that. That would be my. That's what I believe is kind of the difference between them. And then, of course, then Microsoft. Um, then that's with the cloud anyway. And then, of course, you've got all the other things that Microsoft does that AWS has not moved into. Of course, Microsoft doesn't have a big e-commerce thing. So, you know, that, that's just different companies because we've got, you know, Office 365, you know, Microsoft 365 and all of those things as well that we've run. So I think, like I said, my, my main thing is the difference between AWS and Microsoft is that ease of picking up i think it's much easier to pick up azure um uh but you know um they're, they're all cloud. Um, uh, like I said, I, I just want to secure all the things. I think you know any any organization has to go and benchmark and decide what works for them. Um, you know, in terms of the features, the the product, and and you know how they like the company they're dealing with. I mean that that's the same for anything. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, obviously Azure's good.
0: <laughs> Thumbs up for Azure. So Microsoft uh, uh, has a data centers under the water and uh, it, it, shows, it shows the confidence uh, of Microsoft. Uh, I think uh, experts like you, security experts like you are working really good. They are very confident that they can able to put data center under the water and can able to connect the world and give the data transfer and communication system uh, for human beings and uh, help their work uh, with the technology. So what is happening? in order to do some impossible things.
1: Ah, oh, I mean, look, even I'm not privy to all of those things. You probably know just as much as me, but I know that Microsoft spends a lot of time and research, you know, looking for new sustainable ways to to Microsoft's really good at that sustainability piece, you know, looking at how we can increase cloud computing, uh, and, but not just burn up loads and loads of power and, and use loads of power for cooling, which is why we're investigating using the data centers under the water and, and things like that. So, I mean, who knows what else is coming? Um, you know, you'll probably hear at the same time as me. Um, but we, we do invest a lot of money into trying to make things, you know, carbon neutral and sustainable because that's the right thing to do. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the slogan that Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, says a lot is, you know, we want to empower every person on the planet, you know, to to do more, um, and and you know, I think Microsoft is really good at like living its values, um. So yeah, who knows what we'll come up with next, um, in terms of the the exciting, interesting things we do. But uh, I'm sure sure there'll be something. Um, but yeah, we, I think you know, they Microsoft encourages people to think sort of out of the box and differently. I mean, I wouldn't have thought of putting a data center under the water, but, you know, that someone did. And and so they say, you know, go and think about it, have a growth mindset, do do whatever it is, you know, go and find a, a, a novel way to fix a problem because, you know, um, just just because it's the right thing to do. Uh,
0: one last question. Uh, sure. Microsoft Azure. Uh, uh, or Microsoft products or services have been used even in, in the satellites, in the space as well. People are able to use their services and uh, able to solve their problems. Uh, human beings can able to solve their problems uh, in, the, in the, uh, putting it in satellites as well. My question to you is, as a person who is working in Microsoft, do you have any idea that when Microsoft is going to put data center in other parts of the uh, uh, solar system? <laughs>
1: I don't know. I don't think I still think we're kind of focusing on stuff on Earth at the moment. (laughs) Uh, We've still got a few. There's quite a few spots in the world. Well, we have the first data centers in Africa, uh, but we've just got them in South Africa. Who knows? That might be expanding. I think we've got a couple of spots in the world we will probably do first. Um, But who knows? Like I said, Microsoft is always innovating and looking for new things and, you know, I guess, like, the moon is pretty cold, so that might solve the cooling problem. I don't know. Probably your uh, communication problem back to Earth would, your latency would probably be the big problem there, but who knows? Like, just sky's the limit. I mean, who knows, like, 50 years down the track, if you think how far technology has come, um, you know, even in the time I've been alive, I'm 36, so, you know, even if I think about what technology was like when I was, like, little, it's. Crazy. So who knows? Who knows in another like 25 years, 50 years? Definitely possible.
0: And still, we need uh, uh, cloud security and we'll, and we'll for still
1: that. need security people. Who knows what the attackers will be doing in 25, 50 years? Like, who knows? Like, you know, they come up with some very crazy, weird, and wonderful things um, to get what they want. And I'm sure that will just continue. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll always be fighting the good fight, I'm sure.
0: And what is your observation about my work? Have you seen any videos of mine on YouTube and also yeah. about this? Conversation? You, talk to a lot,
1: you talk to a lot of people, man. Um, you, you, I, I'm impressed. Like You just chat to an awful lot of people from an awful, like a big range of tech. I'm impressed. Like, good work.
0: So I, I interact with uh, different country people who are into different professions. Also, people who are into... Uh, 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 who are not into technology. Uh, I talk with doctors, uh, police officers, authors, uh, people who are into film industry. Uh, I try to understand uh, different perspectives and point of views about technology uh, from everywhere. Uh, as a technologist, as a person who is very passionate about technology. So, how this experience talking with experts like you, who are already in the industry for a long time, saw. Different things happening in the technology related to security, related to infrastructure, related to a lot of different fields in technology. Me absorbing information from you people, trying to interact like this, asking questions, what I'm going to learn and how this experience is going to be helpful for me if I work in uh, IT in coming days.
1: Yeah, you're a busy guy. Yeah, you must have learned a lot by now. You must have learned an awful lot of different perspectives on things.
0: So how this experience is going to be helpful for me?
1: Oh, you tell me. Look, security, you can't get away from security, my friend. Security, um, look, it, it affects everybody. Um, so I think having a discussion about security, even if you don't choose to specialize in it, is, is important because it, it's not going away. We're not, this isn't a problem that we can fix. Like this is going to be a thing forever. So, so I think it's important that we, that we raise people's awareness more generally of what's happening in security and how you can best protect yourself and your family and, and the companies you work for. So I think you can never talk too much about security, um, because yeah, you, you it's, it's not going away. Um, the problems that, you know, whilst there is money to be made and relatively few repercussions due to the, um, due to the international nature of it. Um, You know, the fact is that most people who are scamming and hacking never get caught. It's very rare someone gets caught because it's diff- difficult. Not that we can't trace them, um, but the jurisdiction thing gets very complicated. And, you know, it's not worth it for anything apart from the very, very, very severe criminals. Maybe that will change in the future if we find a better way to deal with it. But whilst you know, there is relatively little risk to doing this sort of stuff. You know, we're going to see it, you know, proliferate throughout everything we do. And as we become more digitally dependent, like more of our lives go online and go on computer systems, it just gets worse. So, yeah, it it is what it is, unfortunately.
0: Uh, I'm trying to create a positive environment and um, uh, connecting with different country people. Uh, being connected, trying to spread the positive energy through my content or through experts like you so that uh, at least one or two percent of the uh, negativity or uh, the people who has that uh, attacking nature or attacking thoughts, at least uh, I will be a small reason for the reduction of uh, uh, the, the, the crime that you said.
1: Hey, the thing is, though, interestingly, a lot of the very prominent hackers um, have often been bad hackers gone good. Sometimes they do go good. So, um, well, they do say uh, now that I wouldn't I don't think this is necessarily true, but they do say that the very best hackers are usually the ones that have done dodgy things in the past, <laughs> um, you know, we, you know, many of them turn good and then work for, um, you know, that has happened multiple times that hackers that were that were really good at breaking into systems kind of, well, they, they went good or they were forced to turn good. It sort of depends. Um, but, you know, that does happen as well. So people can change as well.
0: Your words uh, should reach a lot of people and uh, your words should uh, change uh, At least some part of the world and uh, it will be a great contribution and uh, I'll be the reason for that contribution.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Um, Yeah. um, I I hope that someone is listening and they uh, like don't don't go make a
0: quick. Yeah, we are connected. So can I, yeah, can I put this video on my YouTube channel with your permission? Yeah, of course. And also can I put this audio and video clip on my podcast, website, internet, social media, everywhere with your permission? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Can you share your uh, online presence to my audience so that they can learn from you?
1: Oh yeah, well, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm underscore, uh, at underscore Sarah, Y O S A R A H Y O. Um, if you just put in Sarah and Microsoft security, I actually come up on loads of things. Make sure you put in Microsoft security because it's quite a common name, but you can see my LinkedIn. I've done a ton of Microsoft videos because that's the kind of stuff I do for work. Um, And yeah. um, Also, if you go on YouTube, you can see some of my conference talks about other bits of security. If it's something you're interested in. um, I also do a podcast called the Azure Security Podcast. You can find it on all the normal places you find podcasts. Um, We do talk specifically about Microsoft security. So, you know, if you're interested in Microsoft security, go have a listen. Um, It is fairly niche, but it's done by me and some other Microsoft colleagues who've been in Microsoft a long time. We know we, we invite cool people on from Microsoft. So if you're working with Azure, it might be worth a listen to.
0: Uh, I'll put your web links in my website as well. People who find my website can see the work that you're doing and learn from you. Sounds good. Thanks, Sarah, for your valuable time.
1: That's alright. You're welcome. Have a good rest of your day.
0: You do. Bye. Okay,
1: bye.